Bibles this morning, we're, we're still in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at just verses 3 through 8 this morning. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. You may say, haven't we already done that section of Scripture? Yes. So we are, we are remaining in Colossians as we uh, finish up a bit of a missions emphasis, um, considering just what God is doing throughout the world to ultimately bring glory to Jesus. And so this morning we're looking at our role in all of that. Um, so we're looking at joining God in his mission from Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be just touching on some very simple things. One, what is God doing in the world? How is he getting those things accomplished? And how do we join him in that mission? So this morning, Colossians chapter 1, we're looking at verses 3 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. The Apostle Paul states to the churches in Colossae, he says, We always thank God. Here's a moment of worship, in other words. It's a moment of worship. Paul saying, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus... They, did, they once did not have faith. Paul's saying, amazing things are happening. You now have faith in Christ Jesus. And we've heard of the love that you now have for all the saints, right? So not only has God saved you to Jesus, but, it, but it's also now that he's changing you. You have love for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has now come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into what all this is about. God, we come to you once again this morning. Thank you that these, these times are not just our idea of what we think is best for us, but these times of opening your word is actually what you call us to, you command of us. And so right now, God, we, we step out in faith and in obedience. You've called us to open your word with one another, and we trust that as we open up this word, that you, Spirit, will work among us to teach us, to challenge us, to transform us, just as you transformed those in the Church of Colossae. Thank you that your truth, although it was written almost 2,000 years ago to a place across the sea is altogether applicable and true for us even now. Thank you that your truth is living truth. It doesn't die with a past generation. It continues because it's your truth. So Jesus, let this truth fall upon our hearts afresh this morning, we pray. Spirit of God, come, come and work in our midst. I pray, I pray that you would not waste 
what has happened in this past week. So if you've got to shake us up, to wake us up, then may it be. Wake us up to what really matters. So Spirit of God, would you come? Tend to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Just this past week, as we, uh, some of us gathered at, at vote to have a vigil, remember Steve's life, ended up talking with a guy that I, I hadn't seen in years, um, but it was wonderful to see his face and begin catching up a bit with just what was going on in his life. And through the fence, as we were talking, he says, you know, it's amazing these moments tend to put life in perspective. He's a guy who has kind of different businesses that he's running, so he, he stays incredibly busy, electrician and plumbing and all this kind of stuff. And so he's like, there's, there's endless details to my day, but all of this just puts all of that into perspective. When you consider the brevity of life, he said, man, he said, you, re you remember that story from the Bible? Like, he starts preaching to the pastor, you know, it's one of those moments, it's great, it's fantastic. He's like, you remember that story in the Bible, that rich man? He just gathered all his goods into the barn and just kind of kicked back and took it easy, you know? He, he, he said to me, he said, do you remember what God said to him? I was like, yeah. He said, fool, fool, that you would busy yourself and just fill your barns with all these good things just so you could sit back and, and take it easy for the rest of your life. Just so you could retire. Life became all about retirement for this guy. And God says, fool, your soul is now required of you. The point being, like, how, how do we live this life so that it is of ultimate worth? How do, how do we invest our lives, not in just the things that are here and now, that are here and gone, but the things that become eternal? Like, how do we do that? How do we not waste this life? Scripture again and again will call us to this point and place of recognizing life is brief. Make it matter, right? James will say it's vapor-like. It's here, gone. The psalmist will say, teach us, Lord. It is this desperate desire. Teach us, Lord, to number our days. Why? So that we might gain a heart of wisdom. So we actually might understand what's precious in this life and what will ultimately have eternal significance. Folks, when it comes to what we've experienced in this past week, let, let it land upon your heart with, with consideration of your own life. What am I doing here and now? And does it carry eternal significance? Or am I just like that guy, just looking for that moment of retirement? Barns are full. Now I can just take it easy and live it up. To be straight with you, that is a wasted life. A wasted life. I want to propose to you this morning that the way that we don't waste our lives, is to join God in what he's doing. Isn't it amazing that God has not left us in the dark in terms of what he's doing in this world? 
You know, he, he, he's like brought us, if, if, if you've played sports, you know, before you actually step out onto the court, you go into the locker room or wherever, and, and there's the coach, and he's written all the game plan on, on the whiteboard, on the chalkboard. He's got his X's and O's. The game plan is put forward, and there's this pep talk, you know, that you have. The coach lets you in on what we're all about and how we're going to win this game. God, God has done the same. He said, come on, here, here's the game plan. Here's my X's and O's. Here's the strategy. Here's what ultimately is going to take place. Here's how you can join me in this, in this battle, in this fight. Here, here's how you cannot waste your life. Join me in what I'm doing in this world. So, three points this morning. Number one, what is really God doing in this world? How is he then getting it done, number two? And third, how do we join him in it? Okay, those three questions. What is God doing first and foremost? I, I think we see it in this opening section of Colossians, and I just want to put it forward. Here's God's game plan. Here's his strategy. The aim of God in all of human history is to make all things new through Jesus, right? That's what God's doing. That's the end goal of all things. The end goal of all things is to make all things new through Jesus. We see this plainly. If you'd read a little bit further down in Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 20 just briefly. It, it, it's this depiction of who Jesus is, and it's incredible. Like, Paul is, in some sense, exhausting words to describe the preeminence of Jesus, right? And one of the ways that he describes Jesus is that through Jesus, all things will be reconciled to God, whether things on earth or things in heaven. All things are going to be reconciled to Jesus. When you think about that word reconcile, it usually comes in the context of broken relationships, right? During a Christmas season, you begin to feel those tensions, right? You know those broken relationships. Those things kind of come alive in these moments. Why? Because, well, you're encountering family and you're encountering those relationships that have been broken, right? You feel that. In a real way, that is the picture that Paul is painting for us. That our relationship with God has been broken, right? Because sin has entered, because we've chosen to live our lives and live for what we want and our desires and our dreams, because we've really made ourselves God in this world, we've separated ourselves from God. Sin has made a separation in this relationship. There's tension in this relationship. And God must be just. You don't want an unjust God. You want a God who is just. There must be judgment for that sin. And judgment will come. Jesus will bring judgment. But the idea then is that Jesus is the one who's taking all things on heaven and earth and he's reconciling. He's making that relationship good again. And how is he doing it? Verse 20, through the blood of his what? You with me? Cross, right? 
because of what Jesus has done. Remember, it's the gospel, it's the good news that Jesus laid down his life for us and then laying down his life for us, he didn't just satisfy the debt of our sins, but it is the down payment that all things will be made new one day. He's reconciling, he's making the relationship between us and God good again, and he's making all things new again. That's what Jesus is up to. That's God's game plan for the ages. So if you want to know the X's and O's of why we're here and where this world is going, that's your answer. God is making all things new through Jesus. When it comes down to it, though, here's, here's the point that we got to kind of get our heads around. While God is going to make all things new through Jesus one day, that process has already begun here and now. God is in the process here and now of making all things new through Jesus. Remember, Jesus has come. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what Advent's all about. The cross has been born. The grave, it's empty. And now Jesus says, come unto me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and Jesus says, I'll give you rest. You know how exhausting those broken relationships are? They just take so much out of you. Emotionally, psychologically, just to get through time together, you know, it's just like, it is exhausting. And in a real way, Jesus is saying, through me, you can come and know rest. This tension between you and God and your doubts and your skepticism of all these things can finally just be wiped clean, and you can come to know rest through Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. God is making all things new through Jesus, but the process has already begun, right? It's why in Colossians we can see in, let's look at chapter 1, verse 13. It's the idea that God has delivered you from a domain of darkness and has transferred us into the image of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In other words, there's a past reality. You know the change and the transformation. You know something of the reconciliation that you now participate in as one who's come to faith in Jesus. You know this living relationship with him. Paul's saying you, you have been delivered. You have been transferred. This was a past act now that you live in the good of. He'll also say, in, in verse 21, you were once alienated and hostile in your mind, doing evil deeds. You're living your life the way you want to live it. You were once that way, but now he has reconciled in his body of flesh by his death to bring you to God. This is what Jesus has done. You can know him now. This is not something for future. This is not something you work your way into. This is something you surrender yourself into, right? Not by works of righteousness. Don't do all this religious nonsense. And you have to recognize, let me get off script here. You have to recognize, even as Paul will warn in Colossians, religion can keep you from Jesus. Religion can keep you from Jesus. 
Paul will say there's human traditions and religion, philosophies that can pull you away from Jesus and actually take you captive. You say, why are there so many, you know, don't all just kind of paths lead to God? Why, why can't that be the way, right? Fact of the matter is not all paths lead to God. At least Paul is saying there is one and only way. It's Jesus. And he is so dead set on ensuring that, that you don't get taken captive by religiosity. Trusting in your good works, trying to work your way, so to speak, into heaven. Remember the verse that we began with this morning? He gives water to the thirsty freely. It's without payment. You don't work your way into it. You don't clean yourself up to be approved in order to gain it. No, the whole point is that we trust in what Jesus has done. He is your approval. You don't work your way. This, this makes everything so scandalous, doesn't it? I thought I had to work my, I, got, I thought I had to clean myself up. I, got, I, I had to do all this stuff. And maybe hopefully God would, you know, someday approve of me. That is not good news. I don't know about you. I don't want that good news. I, I don't want to preach that. I don't want to open the doors for that message to go forward because that is a message that takes you captive from Christ. It doesn't lead you to dependence upon Christ, right? And so when it comes down to it, folks, it's the work that Christ has done. It's who he is that we trust in. We don't trust in our own efforts. We trust in the work that Christ has accomplished on our behalf. And that reconciliation, that newness of relationship with God can be experienced here and now by faith alone in Christ alone. Don't add anything to it. Come to Jesus. Folks, we see that this process of renewing all things in Jesus has already begun, even, even in the text that we read. It's why Paul opens up this letter with intense praise, right? We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for you. Why? Well, because you got faith. Not because you have, oh, here's the list of religious stuff that you've done and accomplished, you know, great for you. No, it's because you've trusted in Jesus. You have faith. Now in Jesus, transformation is happening and you have love for God's people. That's transformation. Things are happening in your life and you have hope in what is to come in Jesus. That's change. That's transformation. If you came to the funeral on Thursday, you heard that. That story in Steve's life. This work of God in making all things new in Jesus has already begun. We have seen it. We can experience it. Many of us then can testify it. It's not some ancient pipe dream from 2,000 years ago, but a real living relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you know him? Do you know him? If you don't know him, then you won't have a place, right, in joining him in seeing all things made new in Jesus, right? Don't waste your life. Come to know Jesus. Come to know him. So then the question is, how is God doing? How is he actually kind of working to see all things made new in Jesus? How is God doing this work? Well, we see it in this, these verses that we read just a little bit ago. Uh, verse 5, the second half of verse 5, it says, 
of this hope you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Oh, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. You're wondering, how how is God getting his work done? God is getting his work done through a proclaiming people. What has happened is that Paul did some ministry. You could see this in Acts chapter 19. Paul did some ministry in Ephesus. And evidently, Epaphras, this guy that's mentioned here, actually came to Ephesus and must have come to faith during that time where Paul was ministering. And so it seems as though Epaphras would have spent some time then in Ephesus, but as he came to faith in Jesus, his life begins to change. He begins to understand the truth of of Christ and what it is to walk this relationship out. Epaphras then goes back to where he comes from, which is Colossae, right? And according to this, it's Epaphras who shared the gospel, the gospel being the good news of Jesus, what he's done for us and dying upon that cross and overcoming the grave for us, right? And so Epaphras goes back and says, you gotta trust this Jesus. And then people come to faith in Jesus. Their hearts and lives begin to change. And that is the means that God utilizes to see the glory of Christ known. It's through a proclaiming people. Paul speaking Jesus, coming to, you know, come to faith in Jesus. He's saying, Epaphras is coming to faith in, in Jesus. And then Epaphras is going back to Colossae, calling people to come to faith in Jesus. Here's who he is. Here's what he's done for you. Trust in him. <clears throat> Folks, when it comes down to it, the way in which God is accomplishing this renewal of all things through Jesus is actually through a proclaiming people. Christ even said, he said to his disciples, hey, I'm, I'm ascending. I'm going to the right hand of the Father. Which means you're on mission. Right? You're the go-to folks. You know, you, I always remember, you know, I was a Bulls fan back in the day. Jordan, Pippen, Paxson, all these guys. Yeah. Glory days, right? But I always remember, like, when is MJ just going to take this game over? Right? When's he just going to, you know, blitz through it all and win the day, you know, and, and you'd even get little, you know, glimpses into their huddles of like, when is MJ, like who, you know, do we, do we release him yet, you know, and, and then Phil Jackson and MJ always going back together, you know, back and forth about, you know, when, when to just go at it, you know, take over the game. Um, here's the reality of it. Jesus has already taken over the game. He's already won the day for us, right? He is the MJ of MJs, if you, if you will, right? And, and, and yet, as he ascends to his father, he says, now, now you got the final minutes to, to finish things up, right? And, and how does he then call us to do that? Well, he sends us his Holy Spirit. He's like, I'm, not, I'm going to glory, but my spirit's going to come and empower you in this mission to finish up what I've begun. And so in a real way, it's the final minutes of the fourth quarter in all reality. We are in the last days, as scripture would say. We're just waiting for the coming king to come again and to finally and fully make all things new. But he's already won the day. 
And now he says, here's my spirit. Go take this, this, this gospel, this good news, and proclaim it to others. Go share it with others. Go share the hope of the coming king with others so that others might know and might come to faith. Folks, when it comes down to it, it's when you read through Colossians, it's very clear. It's Doug Moo says it this way. He says, the gospel, that's the good news of Jesus again, is authenticated not by its truth only, nor by its power in people's lives only, but by both working in tandem. You get what he's saying? He's saying the gospel message, the mission that you're a part of and seeing this gospel known, it, it comes by your life being a demonstration of the power of God through it, but also then actually proclaiming it. Let your words, let your lips and your life actually complement one another. Your life becomes a message in so many ways. How you live your life, the transformation that Jesus is working in your life is an example to others of who Jesus is and what he is accomplishing. So it is to live as one who sets an example for others, but then one who also proclaims the truth of Jesus. Folks, when it comes down to this, this is like kind of theological abstract stuff. Go tell people about Jesus, right? But it's so simple and practical. When we had Jesse Goins come in, you know, he moves his family, five kids to Queens, New York, right? To go serve the immigrants, to share Jesus with them, right? And remember how simple it was? Here's three circles on how to explain the gospel to people and invite them into like thinking through what the Bible says. You don't ultimately save people. That's God's doing. But you can kind of lead them to the water, right? You can lead them to the water. And it's simple. It's not a very complicated thing. So sometimes when it comes down to it, folks, I think we need to get out of our comfort zone as a church a little bit more and do initiative evangelism. Hit the streets. Right? Ask the Spirit. Spirit, come, lead us, guide us. There will, be, there will be power encounters. The Holy Spirit will show up, direct you to the people. That's what Puerto Rico was when we went on our trip. That's why we came back with all these stories. God showed us this. God showed us that. And we stepped out in faith. And sure enough, God did amazing things in those moments. It doesn't have to just happen in Puerto Rico. I want it to happen all the more in Puerto Rico. But it can happen on these streets. It can happen in your workplace. It can happen within your families as you're getting together to celebrate this or that during the Christmas season, right? It's simple. Spirit, where are you leading? And, 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 and so sometimes it's going to be more of an initiative evangelism. Other times it's just going to be relational evangelism. Just going to be walking with people for some time. Just, hey, you got more questions? Okay, here, here, here's a few more answers. And if I don't know the answers to your questions about Jesus and whatever else the Bible talks about, well, you know, I can say, well, I, I don't know for sure, and I'll come back to you and see if we can figure this out, right? So sometimes it's going to be initiative evangelism. Sometimes it's just going to be long-haul relational evangelism. And sometimes it's going to be community evangelism, where the doors are open here, and you just come in, and you just see, like, hang out. Hang out and see God at work in the midst of his people, right? Let, let, let the community of God be a testimony for what God's actually accomplishing. He is truly hope. You saw that on Thursday. Saw it on Thursday. 
But Jesus does give us this incredible living hope. So sometimes it's going to be initiative evangelism. Get off your butts and actually do something. Some of you, let me just put it straight. Some of you are complacent in your relationship with the Lord. Because you're receiving, 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 and he's called you to far more. He's calling you to give what you've received. And you fall into this complacency, right? Where you don't, you you have no testimonies. You have no exciting stories. Why? (laughs) Well, because nothing's out. You're not taking advantage of what God's doing in and through you, right? And so, man, some of the best stories and most like people who are zealous for the Lord are zealous for the Lord because they, they have the stories, they have the experience of encountering God and God working in amazing ways. Well, are you taking that initiative, believer? Are you taking the initiative? When God says, speak to this person or encourage this person or, you know, press into that coworker, you know, not beating their door down, but just, hey, here's who the truth of Jesus is all about. Do you have this hope? So, folks, this is what God is doing. He's making all things new in Jesus. That process has already begun. And how is he accomplishing that process? Through a proclaiming people, a people who are actually sharing Jesus with others. But finally then, how do I practically join God in what he's doing? To be straight, some of you need to receive him. Some of you need to receive him. You've explored him. You know, it's like you've had some ideas of who he might be, and you're kind of working through all that processing, like we all have in one point or time. But folks, it's, it's time to receive him. It's time to join in to what God's actually doing so your life is not wasted. Receive Jesus. Come to know him. As Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, I'll give you rest. I'll satisfy the guilt of your sin. I will cover your shame. That's what he does. He brings us into an experience of life that is life, as he says, abundantly. He doesn't bring grace in small doses. He is one who is lavish with his grace, and he will have you. If you think, man, I got too much, I got too much broken, and he never want me. No, that's actually the prerequisite to coming to Jesus, that you would actually know you're broken. I don't got it together. It's to recognize, man, what do I have if it doesn't come from Jesus? All I have is my sin and my brokenness. That's all he calls you to bring to him. We have nothing else to bring to the table when it really comes down to it. Jesus will bring the grace. You bring your brokenness. You can receive him today. For some of you, you've walked with Jesus and part of the struggle that you have in your relationship with him is that you actually haven't surrendered your brokenness to him. You've known his grace in part. You've known his mercy. And, and, and he, he has said, you know the security of, of eternal life. But you're still holding on to stuff that is ultimately for him to carry. 
This life is brutal. This life is broken. The hardships, the abuse, the turmoil. Jesus wants even that. To give him part of you and not all of you is actually for you to kind of hold his grace at bay. And to give him your brokenness doesn't mean, okay, everything's just going to be okay now. There's a lot to work through. But he's a big enough God for you. He's never going to take your brokenness and throw it back in your face. The enemy will do that again and again, won't he? Don't we know? He'll bring those lies. He'll bring those accusations. He'll bring that shame. He'll just heap it upon you again and again. Jesus will never do that. He will never do that. To let him in to your brokenness means that he will step in and he is one who is the prince of peace. He will not be that bowl in the china you know, closet. No, no, no. He is one who will be delicate with you. He is one who's careful with the broken. But he alone is the one who says, I am the one who brings healing to the broken. Literally, the picture that, that is given to us in, in Scripture is it's a pane of glass that is broken in all these different pieces. And Jesus is the one who comes along and actually takes every piece, every small shard of glass, and slowly but surely brings hope and healing. He pieces it back together. That's what Jesus says he does for us. That's the promise that he puts out for us. That is a process of healing. But nonetheless, it's Jesus who wants that brokenness. Have you really given him your brokenness? On one hand, some need to receive Jesus. Others of you need to give him your brokenness. Still others of you, perhaps you need to repent of your apathy. John Piper says it this way. He says, I am wired by nature to love the same toys that the world loves. I start to fit in. I start to love what others love. I start to call earth home. Before you know it, I'm calling luxuries needs and using my money just the way everyone else does. I begin to forget the war. I don't think much about people perishing. Missions and unreached people drop out of my mind. I stop dreaming about the triumphs of grace. I sink into a secular mind set that, that looks first to what man can do, not to what God can do. It's a terrible sickness. Beware of apathy. Beware of apathy. Just going with the flow, getting caught up in the flow of the world. He's calling you back to this unwasted life. Here's how you live for the things that matter. You repent of your apathy. You start putting that stuff to death. Finally then, many of us need, if I could say it this way, to receive the Holy Spirit. Like when you come to faith, you get, you get the Holy Spirit. He comes in you, he's a helper. But oftentimes when it comes to missions, you see this through the book of Acts. Before great movements of God takes place, he empowers his people with the Holy Spirit. Such that in moments where there's opportunity, there's boldness given to speak. 
Right? So you see it again and again with the apostles in the books of, book of Acts. Sometimes it's in the moment that God grants power of filling of his spirit, but sometimes it's prior to that that he gives his spirit to fill them, to empower them in the mission. Because inevitably, this mission, if you're living an unwasted life for Jesus' sake, it will come with suffering. It will come with rejection. You will speak, and it will be thrown back in your face. We'll speak more of these things next week. And you will give up. <laughs> you will give up if you don't have the sustaining presence of the Holy Spirit to keep you going. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. So folks, maybe some of you need to receive him. Maybe some of you need to release your brokenness to him. Maybe some of you need to repent of your apathy. Maybe some of you say, I just... I need the strength and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What I'd ask is the, the musicians to come forward. And I want you to just take a moment before the Lord. What is he calling you to do this morning? What's he calling you to do? Is the Spirit calling you to receive him? Is the Spirit calling you to release your brokenness to Him? Is the Spirit calling you to put your apathy to death, repent of that apathy? Or maybe you just sit back and say, I, I just need a refreshment of power to be about the mission of exalting Jesus. What is the Spirit doing in your own heart? I'd encourage you to just take a few moments with the Lord. If you want to receive Jesus this morning, <laughs> today is the day of salvation. He is, he is here now. If you're sitting back and you're saying, oh man, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It's time to trust in him. It's simply to say, Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? Will you come now? Be my Lord and my Savior. He will have you. He will have you. He will take away the guilt of your sin. He will cover your shame. He will save you. A new journey can be begun this morning. I encourage you to trust, trust in Him. For some of you, are you white knuckling all your brokenness? It's time to release it to Him simply to say, Jesus, have all of me. Have all of me. Start piecing me back together. 
He will. He is faithful. If you say spiritually, I'm a little flatlined in my apathy. <laughs> that needs to be brought to his feet as well. Time to, time to repent. Repentance is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's time to bring that apathy and lay it at his feet. Life is too short to waste this time, to waste this life. It's too short. It's time to lay that apathy at his feet. finally God we we need kind of a fresh wind of your spirit Jesus we open our hearts to you and ask now that you would fill us afresh with your spirit we need strength we need empowerment we need your sustaining grace, the Spirit of God. We pray that you would come even now and fill us afresh. From the soles of our feet to the top of our heads, we need you. We need your presence again. Would you fill us? Would you fill us? Would we know something profoundly of, of your presence afresh? Would we know something of your tender embrace? Would we know something of your fresh stirring within our hearts? Spirit of God, we need, we need you. So Spirit, we ask that you would come. Come to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. We're going to participate in the Lord's table, and I don't want to leave this moment. However God is working in your heart right now, don't leave that moment. Let this just kind of be all together connected into it. The Lord's tab table is where we take a cup of grape juice, and we take a broken cracker, and as Jesus has commanded us, and as the New Testament commands us, we eat it. Kind of a strange thing when it comes down to it. But in doing this, we're supposed to remember just who Jesus has been for us. He has become broken for the broken. He has become poured out for the thirsty. He is the one who in his life and death comes to save sinners. Those elements are simply to cause us to remember who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So I'd encourage you as you come forward that you would take those elements remembering, remembering Jesus, but however the Spirit is moving on your heart even now, 
whether it's repenting of apathy or whether it's just saying, God, I need more of you. Make me bold in my witness to others. Maybe it's saying, I just need to place my brokenness before you. I'd encourage you to come and receive those elements. Take them back to your seats. Take them personally, considering what the Spirit would have you to do. Applying the truth of God to your own life. If you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, I'd encourage you to refrain from taking these elements. Instead of taking a cracker and a cup, I'd encourage you to receive Jesus. He will have you. He will have you. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll come down the center, grab the elements, take them to your seat. You do business with Jesus. Do business with Jesus. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free.
So as you know, tomorrow is is a day of of sorrow. It's a day of loss for the Burkholz family. And we want to surround them. And I want to ask all the mothers and fathers in this room, whether in life or by spirit, if you could come up. And we're going to surround them right now. Come right here. just want to take the time of prayer to remember the missions of foster care that they walked into. God, we just want to bless Dan and Jody. And we bless Jabari, but we know that you're holding him. So specifically right now, my request is for the mother and father of a child who is not their own. The mother and father heart that never stopped loving, that never stopped caring, that never will cease to care and cease to love on Jabari's behalf. And God, this is a great loss, but with that comes great peace in your presence. And I know it's probably inappropriate to quote a lyric from the Frozen 2 movie, but I just hear like God is saying, like Elsa saying, how do I follow you into the unknown? And I feel like you're asking that question, Dan and Jody, this morning. How do we follow you in the unknown of what this experience is going to feel like, what it's going to look like, worrying about how he's being cared for or not being cared for in the day-to-day, -day, the loss of a family member, the loss of a son for all intensive purposes. So even though, God, we know that you continue to carry Jabari and you have your plans and your purposes for him and you will not thwart them regardless of who's home and who he's raised by because you are God and there is no other. So we lift up Dan and Jody in this morning for the wounding of the hurting parent, the wound of the parents that will never stop loving, that will never stop caring. So Jesus, we ask for that discernment. We ask for that wisdom. We ask for the stepping stones to be in their midst and when life gets hard, as we know that it will in the days to come, God, that we would grieve together as we did with Steve, that we would also grieve the loss of another member of our church and another member of our family. So Jesus, I pray that you would walk us through what grieving of the body is, that, you would, that we would come together as the hands, the feet, the mouth, the ears, the womb that brings new life that we would unite together around this family and say this is not the end of the mission for you and that there is more life to come. So if there's anybody at this time that would like to pray specifically, now is the time. Father God, we just praise you for Dan and Jody for their willingness to open their hearts and their lives to us. This, this person, Father, they chose to
they can reach out to as well as you reaching out to them. We're a big family here. We just want to pray for strength, for encouragement, for endurance, and perseverance to overcome this. And to just bring them peace. Let them know that you're in good hands. Lord, I pray for the seeds that have been planted. Lord, may they be, continue to be watered. May your word continue to grow within these bodies. May they flourish and glorify you all the days to come, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. as much as it hurts. We praise you for that, Jesus. And we ask that you would fill them again. 